Why, when I say to somebody in America who speaks American vernacular English, what do you be doing every day after work? Will they understand me and what I mean grammatically better than somebody who speaks a standard dialect of American English? That's actually something I didn't know before I interviewed my next guest. It's related to the Irish being in Jamaica. And that bollocks Cromwell. Pardon my language. But I'll let my guest tell you a little more about that. Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Mullany. This week, it's the sixth month episode of the Connected Communication podcast. And I'll be honest with you, I've been so intent upon making this introduction as good as possible and doing justice to my guest that I'm after pressing stop and start a load more times than I normally would when I'm making an introduction for the podcast. You might notice that I'm using some slightly different turns of phrase as I speak today. I'm sharing with you a few more tasteful, beautiful Irish phrases. What do you mean Irish phrases, Christine? Well, I'm actually giving you a bit of Hiberno-English from the Irish language. What do you mean Hiberno? What do you mean the Irish language? You speak English in Ireland, don't you? Mm, We do. Now, I'm not a historian. I am hoping, if he'll respond to my message, to come on to have on a historian with whom I'll be able to chat about more of the history of the Irish language and how it came to be that we spoke English in Ireland. But until then, and until he decides to come on, let me just tell you that when I say Hiberno, I mean English and Ireland and Hibernia, the name that is believed to have been given to Ireland by the Romans. What was his name, that fella? Tacticus, 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 I think that was his name. Anyway, a Roman fella came over on a boat, had a look at the country, and it seemed like apparently an abundant land, and he gave the name Hibernia. But it's also believed that Hibernia could have come from Hibernius, which meant wintry, which is much more a likely scenario than coming over here and having a look at the coast of Ireland and seeing abundant land especially if they came in wintertime. Wintry land gave the name Hibernia to Ireland. So that's where we get the name Hiberno-English, the English of Ireland, the English that comes from Hibernia. Incidentally, the Romans decided not to set foot on and stay in the beautiful land of Hibernia, seeing the apparent savages that already lived there believing them not to be able to be civilised and uh, said, in fact, that they were going to feck off back to the Roman lands. So we were never under the reign of the Romans. How in the hell we managed to get away from the Romans and not the English, I don't know. But sure, that's a different conversation for a different day, if my historian comes on. Today, we're talking about Hiberno-English which you'll hear my guest and I converse a little bit about. 
as a, a dialect of the English language, taken from, they say, British English. But in my view, it should be an English language of itself. It's very different from any of the other English that you hear around the world. But again, you'll hear Molly and I talk a little bit about that as we move into the episode. Hiberno-English is what makes English sound so melodic. It, it's what allows us to mix a richness of colour into the words that we speak. The influence of Irish. Because when we see something red coming from the Irish language, we see Rua and Jarug on Madra Rua, not on Madra Jarug. Two different types of red. As Mancon Magan tells us in one of his books, I think it's Mancon Magan or Magan? Magan, I think. He's a, a journalist who writes books exploring the different words that come from the Irish language and how they allow us to see a different type of colour and picture of the world. The red of the fox versus the red of Red Riding Hood's cloak. Or maybe a coloured red pen that you might get in uh, a packet of pens for school, for example, or if you were ever a student. We see the world through nature because the Irish language has, as Molly tells us, stood the test of time thousands of years long before Christianised Ireland, when the Celts and our ancestors, even before them, believed in the power of nature, the gods of the sun, the power of the gods of the earth and how everything flowed through the rivers, through the land and through the earth. So all of those words and phrases and turns of phrase that we had in the Irish language have now flowed like the Shannon into how we use English. And the Shannon is a river in Ireland, one of the very famous longest rivers with a lot of history and story around it. But again, that's for another day. As a result of this inflection from Gaeilge, from the Irish language, we speak a very different type of English. One that, as my guest today says, is incredibly unique. But before I give you a summary of what we talk about and share a little bit about what's coming in the podcast, at the beginning, I mentioned that it's the six month anniversary of the Connected Communication podcast. If you've shared, if you've reviewed, if you've liked, if you've contacted me and sent me messages, thank you. It's because of your support that the podcast has got or got in the first month to the top 5% globally. It's because of your support and continued listenership that it continues to grow. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. I do hope that you'll continue to come back. I've got a lot coming for you in the next number of months. Over the past six months, we've had a few changes in the podcast. I started out with solo episodes, testing it to see how I felt and see what you enjoyed and how I could bring myself in the best possible way to you so that you could learn, laugh, uh, come back to more for more, listen for more and get a bit of a flavour for all of the different possibilities that connected communication can bring. When you scroll back through the different uh, episodes that I've already gone through, you'll see that there's a mix of solo podcasts at the beginning. Then it moved into some lovely interviews, particularly the one with my granny. It was really, really special to be able to do that. And 
And we've floated around a little bit, bringing you some very open and honest conversations with people who were willing to share their own journeys of self-awareness, self-exploration, self-rediscovery. Self-awareness is one of the key pillars of the work that I do. And I I reckon going to be a bit of a buzzword like authenticity, like Furkan said in one of the episodes, diversity and inclusion are even Natalie motivation. I really enjoy listening to, to those people and having them share their stories. One of the other key aspects of the work that I do and the message that I feel and people I speak to on a regular basis recognize is very important to bring to the world is that of linguistic awareness, dialect awareness, accent awareness, language awareness, whatever you want to call it. Everybody talks about everybody. There's a big buzz about cultural awareness, neurodivergence awareness. We seldom yet talk about bringing all of these aspects together. Being aware of the individual from a personal perspective, who they are, what they are, whatever you want to call it. As a human being. Who their self is. Maybe I won't get too philosophical here, but some of you listening might be thinking, but what is the self? Who is their I? Who is their me? That's exactly what I mean. What's their culture? What's their neurodiversity or neurodivergence, if there is one? And what is their linguistic background, their dialectal background? How can we be aware of the brain, the spirit, the soul, the heart, the whole person? So that when we communicate to connect, we are aware of our own perceptions and what might block them and what might open them up. And then we can see the perceptions of others. This is what connected communication means to me. That's why I'm developing the neurocultural communication concept. Not to be part of this shite that they're labelling as woke. Someone actually <laughs> called me a wokerati in a comment on Instagram recently. I've read into being woke a bit, W-O-K-E for those of you who haven't come across the concept. One of the definitions says that it's used by people who think that some others are too easily upset about prejudice and discrimination issues or talk too much about them in a way that does not change anything. And what happened was I hit back at a post by a comedian whom at the time I didn't know was a comedian. But the post perpetuated slagging off or making a joke of multi-ethnic accents in the north of Ireland. I think multi-ethnic accents in general. And what I found most interesting was that the only hate I got from the comments was from what I could see when I looked into the profiles, the typical... ah. What can we call them if I'm woke? (laughs) Drowsy, clouded, very clearly people whose first language was most likely English, who've probably never had an open conversation with anybody who's experienced accent bias or discrimination outside of that, which is typically experienced by a northerner who, say, for example, might venture to the south of Ireland. The four aspects of awareness I train in and present on are self-awareness, brain awareness, 
linguistic awareness and cultural awareness. That's neurocultural communication. And that's what the next part of the podcast is going to focus on. With a bit of crack along the way, we have to inject a bit of crack into proceedings. Before you go freaking out, Irish crack, C-R-A-I-C, as in fun. This week, we're starting with language. My beautiful language, Gwelga. After that, I'll be sharing the stories and experiences of those whose first language may or may not be English, who work in the field of cross-cultural communication, diversity and inclusion, who research in the area of language, communication, culture, the brain, neuroscience, the, the four aspects of awareness that I am developing the neurocultural communication model on. Those who have lived and breathed what it means to hear at an interview. Oh, where's your surname from? We can't hire you. Some have been blocked from jobs because of their accent, because of their language. Some have sat in executive boardrooms and not been able to follow anything that was being said because everybody else in the room spoke English as a first language and didn't bother to take a moment to recognise that there was another need in the room. Some who, through their own experience of being on the other side, recognise their privilege of growing up as an English speaker and now use that recognition of privilege, a bit like I do, to bring a different take to the world on why recognising accent bias and lack of awareness of the other in the boardroom, in a meeting room, in the classroom, in any room, is so incredibly important. Is a key aspect of how global organisations today need to change and an area which needs to be considered in diversity and inclusion plans. All share tips and thoughts on how to make organisations more inclusive. I'm going to call it neuroculturally inclusive because that's my word, but inclusive. I met a guy on a plane recently with whom I spoke for an hour, a whole hour while we were flying about diversity, inclusion, neurodivergence, gender and sexual orientation. He was a really interesting character. We spoke at such length that the lady beside us thought we were travelling together. We'd never met before. He said he'll come on too. Of course, as is the usual, as I'm doing the last couple of weeks, I'll weave in some of my own findings. I miss doing the research. I miss sharing my stories and experiences. And some light-hearted, fun bits and pieces as we go along. I'm still fairly new to this podcasting game. We're just at six months. So I'm cutting my teeth, you might say, a bit like a baby cuts their teeth. If you're a returning listener, one of the best ways to make the podcast as good as possible for you is to share your questions, comments and ideas for me on people to interview or introduce me to them if you know them. I love hearing from you, David, Barry, uh, Hannah, all of you others who've contacted me. Thank you. In fact, I've even actually met some of you who've written. If you're listening to this podcast on the day it's gone live, it's the week of the autumn equinox, the end of harvest season. In Ireland, traditionally, the time at the end of harvest was indicated, it's believed, by the position of the sun as it rose across the cairns, particularly in places like Loughrew, 
one of the most ancient sites in Ireland. The rising of the sun lit the passages entering the cairns. A cairn, not cairns in Australia, although that's where the name may have come from, is a, a standing stack of stones. So imagine these nice pieces of artwork that you see these days where people have placed stones standing on top of each other. But they meant something much deeper in traditional culture in Ireland. The sun rose and lit the passages of the cairns and their inner chambers. This told the ancients what time of year it was and indicated both when the crops needed to be sown, but also when they'd be ready to be harvested and brought in. So the time this episode is coming out is around the time of the last harvest, when the last of the animals would be killed, the last straw would be cut. Today, actually, I'm in County Cavan, a county in Ireland that has 365 lakes, one for every day of the year and the rain to go along with it, to be fair. I've just actually taken a picture of the lads out in the back field wrapping up the silage bales behind the chicken coop in my sister's house. So at this time of year, we reap what has been sown throughout the year and grown. And it's now harvested to keep the bodies, bones and blood warm of the people throughout the dimming light of the season of winter, before Imbolg comes again, around what the church named as St. Bridget's Day. February 1st, the actual beginning of spring, not a couple of months later, like the new calendars will tell you. Spring in Ireland comes at the time of the rebirth of the sun, when the days are beginning to get longer again. But we have to go through the dark time first. And what better way to enjoy the darker times of the year than with a podcast episode, rich in the words of the lore and language of our ancestral lands. I don't want to ruin it and be revealing too much about my guest or what she shares. If you're in any way interested in understanding the phrases we use in Ireland better, you're going to love this conversation. If you're interested in the Irish language itself, you're going to love this conversation. There'll be grow more earth. If you're Irish or of Irish descent, reviving and reconnecting with your origin tongue, you're going to love this conversation. Molly tells us a bit about the history of the language, why we say things like, oh, I'm after missing the train, and why that's grammatically correct, and things like, I don't be dying on me now, why the meaning of wood in Ireland is different to other forms of English, why we add so I did, so she did, and so I was to almost everything, and why we rarely, if ever, will give you a direct yes or no. We talk a bit about the concept of time, the very special Irish TH, and the reason the Irish are such incredible storytellers. At the end, if you stick around and follow the podcast, Molly has a gift to share with you, and you'll learn how to get it. She's a gift. As kind, strong, eloquent and passionate an Irish woman as I've ever met. It was my absolute privilege to interview her on the podcast. It's a greater privilege to be getting to know her. and to share with her in the revival of our beautiful origin tongue, Gwilga. Listeners, without further ado, I bring you Molly of Instagram, Irish with Molly.
Okay. Listen to Gok Illa Litter, or Litter, which is what I heard the pronunciation you gave last night. A phrase your grandmother said to you over the years growing up as a young Gaelgar learning Irish from an older Gaelgar. Did I get the pronunciation right? I mean, I felt like I was listening to myself, to be honest. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Oh, Absolutely super. perfect. Fair play that's, to you. That's great. Thanks very much. I'm speaking today to the beautiful Molly of Irish with Molly on TikTok and Instagram, someone whom I have been following for a number of months as a total fan. And I finally plucked up the courage to comment and say, I'd love to interview on my podcast recently. And she graciously agreed to come on. For those listeners who may not remember their Irish or who are new to the Irish language, maybe we should start with, instead of defining the words we've just said, sharing what the Irish language is. Good point. There's a lot of confusion around the Irish language. You know, people will be asked, is it a dialect? Is it an accent? And it's surprising the questions you get and you realise, yeah, I mean, we're just a small island and we're famous for so many other things and not the Irish language. So the Irish language is about a millennium older than English. It's an Indo-European language. It developed out of Proto-Celtic, so it is related to Breton, Cornish and Welsh, and it developed into Scots Gaelic and Manx. And Irish is the official language of Ireland, the national language, the indigenous language, and it's an endangered language. So it's classified as severely, sorry, definitely endangered on the UNESCO Atlas of World Languages. So only about 1.5% of the population of Ireland speak Irish on a daily basis outside the school system. And Irish is unique in many ways. Yeah. So loads to get into. No, keep going. You just made me resonate. I'm one of that 1.5%. I bow my head sadly in shame. I'm listening to you though. But please, yeah, what what else do we... So there's a lot about Irish that is just really unique. Recently, we've been hearing how psychologists are delving into the benefits of mental health in language learning and how Irish offers a perspective that's quite distinct of separating the self from the feelings. Yeah, I have have stuff on that to definitely talk about later, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very, very interesting. You know, even the structure of Irish has greatly impacted the way we speak English in Ireland. Um, The number of Irish speakers decreased dramatically during especially the colonization and the famine genocide when over a million died, over a million emigrated. So it's a language that has really been through the mill. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking, you know, it's faded from our tongues, but we're going to gobble it back up because gobble comes from Irish, from gob, meaning beak. Brilliant. We might we go there in a second. I think it's fair to listeners to translate for them the phrase that your grandmother always used to say to you. So she used to say cougar, meaning come here to me. Cougar really means whisper. And she'd say, Clushin to gach ille liches. You hear every single letter. So when you're speaking Irish beautifully and well, you can really hear every vowel, every consonant, every dip and rise inflection and every nuance of the speech. And this is why I think it's hard to write phonetic versions of Irish 
let's say even the word Gaelga, which means Irish. Some people might be like, oh, Gaelga. So G-W-A-Y space G-A, L-G-A, you know, Gaelga. But that's not giving you the spirit of the language. It's Gaelga. You know, you can hear so much more when you really learn the sounds. Yeah. And there's the neutral vowel at the end of that sound for us former English teachers there. (laughs) We won't go into too much technicalities on it. But I loved hearing you say that. The impact that the musicality of full inflection in Irish and enunciation has on how we speak English, because that's a big part of the work I do, finding the rhythm and the music Mm. in the English language. But do you think that's unique to us Irish? I didn't think about that before. I think for sure it's unique in our way of speaking English, that we Mm. speak English in a completely different way to many Australians or people from the States or Canada who don't have Irish ancestry, because so many of our structures and syntax and phrases are direct translations from Irish. Like, you know, oh, I'm just after talking to Christine, you know, or even things like come here to me now, you know, your man, loads of stuff. Sure. Listen, I'll do it now. All this there's so you could have a full conversation. I mean, people really do speak fully in Irish English and might not be really understood by, let's say, a Brazilian who's moved to Ireland and has learned British English. Yeah. So do you think our English, Hiberno, needs a title in itself? That we have this British English and American English and the world believes that they're the only two Englishes that exist. Now there's a bit more acknowledgement. There's Australian English. And I think even it, and this this frustrates me. I have seen Indian English listed and I don't I don't mean it frustrates me from a, a negative prejudice perspective. There is an English in India, but it frustrates me when I don't see Hiberno English in the list because it, we're presumed yeah. to speak British. What do you think of that? Do you ever see... English and then in brackets, Ireland. Sometimes yeah. I see that. Yeah. So maybe that's just, I don't know. I think someone told me recently that's because Irish people are loath to press British English oh, when they have some options. Um, yeah. But you're right in terms, because it's so different. I would say Irish English is actually much more different. Like there's a bigger contrast between British English, US English and Irish English, it's kind of in a world of its own because it comes from another route. Yeah. I always think we're actually speaking Irish using English words. Oh, I like that. So tell us more about that. This is the part where I feel my disconnection. I loved Irish at school. I worked very hard on it. Unfortunately, I had a bat sugar crazy teacher who kind of pushed me away from it and I ended up changing my level which negatively impacted me forever. Mm -hmm. When you say we speak English through Irish or Irish through English even, can you give us a couple of examples, going back to what you said a few minutes ago, maybe with the just after? and I think in so many different ways. One is that Irish is a verb subject object language and only about 9% of all the languages in the world are like this. So we start the sentence with the verb, you know, like ta, me and sha meaning like, is me here or am me here? I'm here. And I think that brings an urgency and an immediacy and a very beautiful kind of active quality to the way we speak and that we tell stories, come on, like much better than most people. And I think we have this way, like just this fluency with words and this wittiness Irish people have, this humour and 
tenderness to the way we speak. But imagine even if I ask someone, have you any Irish? And they're like, oh, I haven't even a word of Irish. I haven't even a fuckle, a word. They're using an Irish structure. We don't say, do you speak Irish really? We'd say, do you have Irish? Because in Irish, skills and languages are at us. And that's another thing that kind of affects us in our thinking. We don't own things in the Irish language. Things are just at us or with us. That's, you're so making me think now, don't be getting at me. You know, yeah. someone, someone's <laughs> yeah. annoying you. And you don't say, I am being annoyed by you. It's your, that you're getting at me. Don't be getting at me now. Oh. Exactly. Or putting okay. in on me would be a direct translation, like, but there are so many phrases that are just word for word, nearly translations from Irish. There's so many. Um, All right, let's look at a couple of the most common ones. I see your brain there. Which one do I pick? Which one do I pick? There's there's loads. Uh, all right, we, we've got the I'm after, because this one is a big one for people. Yeah. They, they, firstly, they say that we don't speak grammatically correctly. And <laughs> yeah. that's when you have to teach, if you're ever teaching students or people who are learning. Well, it technically is grammatically correct. It's just yeah. not British English, but it has a meaning. It's the present perfect meaning in, in British English. I have just... So what's the I'm after plus ing? Because Irish? in Irish, we don't have a present perfect, which is uh-huh. the, you know, I have read the book. I have seen the film. We would say the film is read by me or to kind of describe something that you have just done using the have plus just plus past participle. You would say, Tommy Teresh, literally I am after. Uh-huh. And then like Tommy Teresh me yiner a eha. I'm after my dinner to eat, meaning I'm after eating my dinner. Oh. So we still use that all the time in English. And even the continuous be verb, you know, don't be doing that. Or yeah. do you be swimming? Do oh, you, yes. be, do you yes. be getting up early and do you be, which is so common for us. And that's because in Irish, we have two present tenses for the be verb, which is pretty unusual. And there's some really interesting studies of kids in the States. Have you heard this? Who... No, I, no, it's the B. It's the B. We'll come back to it because yeah. it connects with Spanish. We'll okay. come back to it. We'll come because back to it. were these kids who um, spoke, um, is it called Ave? American, African-American vernacular English. Okay. And apparently there's a huge link between Jamaican Patois and Creole with Irish because Cromwell sent thousands of Irish to the plantations and Irish people were indentured servants working alongside black slaves. And they taught them a lot of Irish and English, Englishy Irish. And so the kids, this was, I think this experiment happened in the 90s or maybe even sooner. But they were shown a picture of Cookie Monster in bed sick and then Elmo from Sesame Street eating cookies. And the teacher asked, who does be eating cookies? And in the class, there were a few kids who spoke African-American vernacular English and a few kids who didn't. And the kids who spoke the language said, uh, or the dialect said, um, Cookie Monster does be eating cookies because he generally does be. So that's why he's sick in bed. And all the white kids who didn't speak Ave went, Elmo, because he's currently eating cookies. And then she asked, who is eating cookies? And everyone said, Elmo, because he's eating cookies. And in the report, they wrote, 
this is really common in Ave and in Irish Gaelic because of the way we have the habitual be and the kind of immediate be verb. Oh, so when you say the habitual be and the immediate be, let's define that yeah. for our listeners. So the habitual be is like the verb be in Irish, be I father with an accent over the eye. And you would say, for example, be in May, eggsnav gachla. I do be swimming every day. So it's mm-hmm. habitual. It's my habit. I'm accustomed okay. to it. Versus so it's like the present simple in English, I swim every day or I kind swim of, yeah, daily. Just exactly. simple present. Okay. Yeah. And then the immediate be is more like ta, ta me eggsnav. I am swimming right now. So it denotes what is happening right now. Mm, that present continuous tense. Yeah, or even if you're not using it with the verbal noun, like egg snov, you could just say, Tome ansha, I'm here. Tome gama, I'm good. So yeah. it just talks about right now. A state. So the yeah. state or the continuous action in the present moment. Exactly. Uh-huh. Another one uh-huh. I just thought of was, you know, a lot of people ask me, why do we say, uh, so it is, so he is, so she is. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And it's from Irish, <laughs> surprise, surprise, because we have the copula, and we repeat the pronoun. So I would say, is dinner all in? Well, let's see. Is e machara e? It's she, my friend, she. Okay, so can I jump friend, back? So she just, just for a sec to copula. Yeah. The so copula is a grammatical structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just as fun. Um, so the copula is a grammatical structure in Irish and other languages. In Irish, it's used to either classify what something is. For example, is munchur may, I'm a teacher. And it's also used to equate things like she is my friend. So there's this woman and I'm going to introduce her as my friend. So it's a little bit like she equals my friend. So in this equational copula, we would say is e, it's she, machara, my friend. And then we need to repeat e, she again. It's a little bit superfluous, not really necessary. And some people drop it, but it means that in English we say, you know, she's my friend. So she is. Yeah. Because we have to finish it off. Exactly. It's it's she is my friend. So she she is. Exactly. And is it the same with so do I? So I do. Exactly. Or so I did. I did. So I did. Another theory is we just can't stop talking and we love filling every silence. (laughs) Funny you say that. I've just interviewed someone, a spectacular lady up in the north of Ireland, originally from Hungary and Slovakia. First two languages were Hungarian and Slovakian. Now speaks perfect English with a Northern Irish accent because that's where she learned her English. And we were talking about exactly that. Uh, Okay, so this is fabulous. Let's go back because you're making links here for me that I have been making for a while. Mm-hmm. And very much wondering why on earth we allowed English to be pushed upon us in the way that we did. The B. Spanish is two Bs, Sarah and Estar, the, the two forms of B, and they work with characteristics and states. And I think a similar, well, well maybe it's mm. not the habits, but in a, a similar way. It also has a type of reflexive pronoun for when we say don't be doing that to me so don't be dying on me now Mm -hmm. don't be falling asleep on me now and that's Mm -hmm. something that we say in Irish isn't it 
Exactly. What's that? It's really linked to how prepositional Irish is. Irish is all about things that are before you, on you, at you, with you, behind you, in every way. Even hello in Irish is rich, you know, God for you, God to you. And when you own things, things are at you. Ta liawer agam, I have a book, or a book is at me. Feelings are on us. Ta ahas urum. And so even when you owe someone, you would say, I have 20 euro on you. Oh. So there's a lot of being on each other <laughs> in Irish <laughs> and with each other. Getting that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was actually saying yesterday to love someone, to tell someone you love them in Irish, you would say, Earth. I have love on you or I have love for you. Ditch, you could say, to you, for you. And that Niall Horan song, Put a Little Love on Me. You said this, yeah. I, I then start this. researching it and go down a rabbit hole and I'm like, does anyone else say that in English? And there's so much of that. You know, every day I, I think of things like, oh, for the day that's in it. And then I'm like, the day that's in it. Well, in Irish, we say, Cain law at all own. What day is in it? Well, J. Jardine? It's Thursday today, right? Jardine at all own. Yeah. <laughs> so we say, Thursday is in it. Oh, and so what natural... day is, is today is what day is in it? The actual yeah. translation from Irish. Exactly. Oh. Well, Conor how are you? She's great, isn't she? You can actually imagine the light in her eyes just listening to the passion in her voice. Wait till you hear the next couple of fuckles she has for us. By the end of this episode, you'll be speaking your own fuckles, words, and have a few bits of Hiberno-English to go alongside them. Don't be going anywhere on me now. Remember, at the end of the episode, Molly's got a wee special brunt on us, a gift to share with us. And... As far as she said, she's never done this before. So I'm feeling very lucky. Oh, more. Uh, good luck. Or great luck, I think is how we say it. One other thing. When you get to the end of the episode and you're going to do what she suggests you do to be able to get her gift, make sure you come over and check out our Instagrams. We just might be going live on the day that this podcast is live to answer a few questions and talk a little bit more about Hiberno English and the beautiful Gwailga. Our links are in the show notes. See you on the other side. Slán live. Banakti. Let's go back to Molly. So I know you mentioned the the root family then of Irish going mm-hmm. back. When you think about it, can we say that it comes that there's definitely a link then between Spanish languages, a little bit of Italian. The families might not all be the same, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of structures that are similar. Yeah, there are some links and you'll see links with Sanskrit even and some with Latin, mm. um, Old Norse, I think. And demonstrates how ancient it is, doesn't it? How old yeah. the language is and how, how far back it goes. You said something there very interesting about how we say hello. I, I've heard you say. We didn't write, and I know, of course, myself, but we didn't write Irish down before Christianity came. Mm-hmm. So that G of which must have come with Christianity as mm-hmm. well, that hello. 
do we have other ways that we greet each other? Great question. Some people say that maybe before Christianity, we were greeting each other with God be with you because of the other gods, the pagan Uh gods Uh in Ireland. So that could make sense. And otherwise, it seems like it could be a mystery that maybe people lived in close quarters who didn't have to greet each other the way we do nowadays. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of that that I reflect on with Irish, which is so beautiful, how it really gives you an essence of the time in which it was developing. You know, that we still use lots of structures from old Irish, basically. And for example, someone asked me recently, how could I ask, um, will you be my godmother? And I was thinking, hmm, like, so it might have to be like, are you able to, or will you be in the role of my godmother? But it was kind of clunky to translate. Mm. And I thought, why is, why am I finding it a little bit complicated to translate this directly? And I thought, because maybe in Irish, there's no, you just are to other people. You are my friend, or you are my mother, you are my daughter, you are my mentor, et cetera. You don't ask someone to be something to you. Oh, the relationship is already there. Maybe, yeah. Because in Irish, to say I am something is quite straightforward. It's something me. Mm. You know, like let's say I'm a daughter. It's Aeneian, May. But then you can also say, Tommy, I'm Aeneian. I'm in my daughter, meaning I'm in the role of daughter. But then to ask someone, can you be, was kind of strange. And that's where we go to the self, isn't it? With the yeah. being, psychologists exploring that separation of self and feelings where, yes. and I love this because I, I actually don't believe in the who. Who are you? Well, what characteristic do you want? Is it not what am I? This is the yes. way that I look at it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. We can say it all when I practice from your workshop last night, because I was in your workshop listening to you, to Tersha, no, Tersha Urim, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can remember these ones, Tobron Urim. What was the one that I, I learned? Oh, yeah, Totart Urim. I didn't remember Tersh at all. Uh, but I can also say, Tome on Tershak, isn't it? Perfect. Like, I am tired. So, in that sense, am I not taking the tiredness on? You are. So, I would prefer the noun being on you I think it's more in keeping with the spirit of Irish but it is possible to say I am tired yeah and would it be different in different parts of the country you think would use the structures differently I'd say so but I think they're probably equally common the well I think it might be more common to put the feeling on you yeah depends on the adjective or the feeling if I think about myself Mm -hmm. sorry yeah, if you wanted to say like I'm nervous, tell me nervishach. You could yeah. also say ta imniaram, there's worry or anxiety on me. Yeah. So possibly in different areas, people use one more than the other. Maybe. And we we link to that now in a sec. I'm thinking back to, to being in school. I don't remember that I would say Tommy Tershuk as much as I remember Tobronaram. Mm-hmm. So that we seem to have learned that it being on us. So those who are listening to us, what I said there was, I am a Tobronar, I'm sad. Well, there's sadness upon me or on me. A Tobronar, I'm angry or there's anger on me. And 
you mentioned at the beginning there, psychologists are now looking at this as being a disconnection from the self and the feeling, which the world is talking a lot about these days, feelings and, mm-hmm. and whether we take them on or not and make them become part of us. So what's happening there with the research and what's being done? So it's interesting because when you mentioned self, I thought you were going to say how we use the word self a lot in English, in Irish English. We say, oh, tis herself. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, here's yeah. himself now. Yeah. Or um, and even saying things like, and what's your own name? Yeah, no, your own. Strange. I have to re- remove own <laughs> yeah. so much when I write in English. I really I don't need that own. That's exactly, necessary. exactly. That's from Irish. It is because we oh. really focus on the word fein, and in older versions of Irish or certain dialects, there would be a shavu, a h. So fein means self. F e father i n. You yeah. might see it written f h e father i n, but the standard yeah. is f e father i n. And so we use that a lot in Irish. Even people saying like, "She's an awful may feiner." You know, she's, oh, yeah, she's you ever heard that before. <laughs> she's, she loves herself. Yeah, yeah. I've got a read in English about uh, she's full of herself. That one, I think it's, it's yeah. what I did. I can't remember what the phrase was that I did, but yes. Thankfully, people are kind of owning that and taking it back and being like, it's good to love yourself. It's good to be full of yourself, mm-hmm. to be yourself. Yeah. But um, with the self and this distinct separation from feelings, there have been some really groundbreaking studies and, you know, by Harvard University and Yale, and I can send them to you about how this kind of very distinguished separation between who I am and the feeling that happens to be on me interact, that sadness is on me and what an onomatopoeic sound brone is isn't it? That it's just on me, which reminds you as you think it, as you say it, it's not permanent. Also, I'm using ta, which is not a permanent verb. It means right now. Whereas in English, I am could mean I am today or I am for my whole life. So in Irish, we have two things in such a short sentence, ta brown arum, there is sadness on me. And ta is temporary. And the last word, arum, on me, is also the idea of transience and fluidity and it's just flowing and maybe I'm sad today, happy tomorrow. So yeah. I think there's a lot of psychological phenomena in the Irish language. There's a lot to discuss. Yeah. And you're bringing it and you are making it a conversation. So a fair play to you, back to you. How do we say fair play to you? Fair play. We have that. Mahu. We might say Mahu. Fair play to you. Which is really good good to you. you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's coming back. Uh, You said something else there that made me think. Yeah. You spoke at a polyglot conference in Japan. Mm -hmm. I'm correct. What was that about? So the polyglot conference is brilliant. I'd recommend everyone to check it out. It's run by Richard Simcott, who I spoke to the other day. Uh, in an interview. He's a hyper polyglot and has studied over 50 languages. He's learning Irish and he has some brilliant insights into language learning. And he runs this polyglot conference and he's a great advocate of vulnerable, endangered minority languages. So I was teaching Irish on italki, a language platform. And I think they were sponsoring the event and they found me and asked if I would teach, if I would speak at the event. So I did a talk 
about the history of Irish, the status of Irish, a, a few kind of phrases and how the language works and how different it is to other languages. You know, there's no word for yes or no. There's no verb to have. There's only 18 letters in Irish. There's no J, K, Yeah, I don't know about this, actually. We, we might jump in there next. And it was great. So it's good to be connected to these polyglots and their adventures. It's a really fascinating world, but it's also very open and accessible. It's for everyone who has an interest, even if they're learning one language or 20 or 30 languages. Yeah, but it's great to hear that they're exploring languages like Irish and welcoming them back in, Mm -hmm. being part of that revival that definitely is happening now. So let's jump to a bit of pronunciation then. Mm -hmm. We, We know we have a special TH in English. And in Ireland, (laughs) that we often get slagged about and and in a not so nice way, you know, that people often when they meet think it's a funny thing to say to the Irish, oh, say 33 and a third. Yeah. And and make a jest about it. But what's the reason that we have that beautiful TH? Yeah. So in Irish, we don't have the same TH sounds as in English. So in English, you might think of the voiced and the unvoiced TH sounds like in Brother, that kind of deep, throaty brother, softer yeah, one. Feel the vibration in the throat. Yeah, <laughs> brother. Yeah. In Irish, TH actually sounds like huh, just aspirated breath. Huh. Uh-huh. So then T in Irish, an Irish pronunciation is super consistent, way more consistent than English and most languages, I would say. If you just learn the patterns, it'll never change. Really, really satisfying to learn. T in Irish can sound two different ways. It can be broad or slender. So we have broad vowels and slender vowels. And this is unique to Irish. I don't think there's any other language in the world that slots the words together, connecting the broad vowels and the slender vowels. But anyway, oh. broad well, vowels no, There's are... no anyway there, because when you yeah. first said the words broad and slender, I was back in my school chair. <laughs> and I can see that laminated piece of paper. Listeners, if you're following us here, we get a laminated piece of paper with all of the Irish verbs on it when we get into school. And that's what we have to learn. It's pretty. It's got colours on it. Yeah. The glance card. Is glance card. There you go. I'd like to put another one. As if you just have to glance at it. Oh, yeah, I know Irish now. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, let's let's go back. All right. So that T, the two, the the broad and the slender. The Mm -hmm. T is slender. If its closest vowels are I or E, it'll sound like CH, like the CH kind of sound in church. So, for example, or CHA. Fulcha, exactly. Yeah, Slauncha. Okay. Yeah, Slauncha. Yeah. There you go. Not slaving. And so that's very different to an Irish or sorry, an English T or how we would say T. And then the other T is broad. So that could be in te, for example, cup on te. So it's a little, t- yeah. it's a bit of a wet T, cup on yeah. te. So te, a little bit like a TH, but not really. Cup on te, te. Oh. But different dialects, different accents, people pronounce these a little differently. This is just a standard guide. Same in English. We don't really have the TH that you might find in, you know, some English dialects. So we get, you know, not given out to, but laughed at. I mean, slagged. Not only T, but also TH. Yeah. Yeah. And we get quite a bit of bias there. Negative bias is some of the theme that the areas that I want to discuss and like to talk about is the idea of accent bias and its mm. sources and where somebody might think this is a funny thing to say, like top of the morning to you when you join a, 
a call, not realising that <laughs> that's quite loaded yeah. <laughs> and we don't necessarily love it. But that tea is very interesting. I find tea across languages fascinating and D, but tea in particular, when I was learning Polish, I learned that tea is pronounced in a different part of the mouth, well, with a different position of the tongue in Polish than it is in English. Same Polish, Czech, Russian, Bulgarian, a couple of those other languages, uh, Croatian, I think as well. So when we say tea in English, like take or tape, the tip of the tongue is back on the alveolar ridge. So the tip of your tongue, listeners, back on that ridge behind your top teeth, on that bump behind your top teeth, t t t t t an aspirate, just the air sound. But what I hear, or I think I hear, when you say our t is that our tongue comes forward a little bit and taps the teeth. Exactly. Tiny bit, it's a bit of an arch there. yeah. Which is the same pronunciation, taig, there you go, as the pronunciation in Polish, tak. So tap wow. is yes in Polish, and that's the same tap. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, the R in Irish is very special as well, and I loved how you did it at the end of Litchish. You did that slender Oh, R. yeah, I heard you say that. I was like, how to get that? Litchish. And I think with language learning, you know, a lot of it is really about mindset, about unlocking something with a story, an anecdote, a visual. So I was thinking, because I love teaching the slender R, how different it is, you know, the way Irish people use their R, like, listen to me saying R, I have to yeah. do that because I was teaching rhotic. English. In, we have that yeah. I would say or, R. actually, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. and then, more. but then it sounds like, oh, if I'm spelling something. So, or, but then in Irish, if it's slender, at the end of liches, for example, it's got this, Hiss nearly. Yeah. And it's nearly like someone told me a Spanish D, but I was thinking about the difference between Maria. So if you're a a girl called Maria in Ireland, you might be like, hey, Maria. Yeah. But if you're in Spain, Maria, Maria. it's a very different Maria. Maria. Nearly like a D. Maria. Yeah. Maria. And and so that's a little bit like the slender R, actually, that that tap. Mm. But it's more hissy. I'm going to make a note of that. And when I bring somebody on to talk about Spanish comparisons, we're going to explore that R. Uh, and when you say the slender R, you mean that it's slender vowels beside the consonant. Exactly. Right. Okay. So the R, I wrote that I did when I did your workshop. I actually wrote down that literature. And you said earlier on about it being difficult to write it phonetically. And I think I wrote the SH sound. Yeah. I sometimes do ZH. Yeah, that was the closest that I could get. Yeah, I wrote yeah. L-I-C-H-I-S-C-H. Yeah. <laughs> very fast to get the pronunciation of it. Lichit. Oh, no, I, I-R-C-H, not I-S-C-H. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's a ch- yeah. almost like a glass breaking. Ch- yes. And that onomatopoeia nice. sound that you mentioned. I liken it sometimes to the way Irish people say, push a bit of butter on that bread. You know, that ch- Sound. That's soft. What might be called an elocution and was definitely in my book a lazy pronunciation and lack of diction. But actually, it's just the way that we speak because of the Irish language. Ah, so listeners, those of you who haven't yet heard an Irish person speaking English or who think when you're listening to an Irish person speaking English, why do they speak like that? And it's totally wrong. I'm afraid it's in fact perfectly correct. Because we're speaking our English, Hiberno-English or 
if you want to call it Irish English, you can do that too. Right. So the half story. I love this. She's telling (laughs) half truths, that one. (laughs) So a half story in Irish, Leshgale, and the the phrase that we all learn at school, can I go to the toilet? Excuse me. What's that all about? Half story. So Leshgale means excuse in Irish. And it really comes from two words. La, meaning half, L-E-A-T-H, and scale, meaning story, S-C-E for the A-L. So la changes its spelling to link with scale, to make its ending slender, to connect. So leshgale. And we would say gumaleshgale, kind of like grant me my half story. Gumaleshgale. Go means so many different things as a verb. So it could be kind of like go my half story, like let's go my half story. Gumaleshgale is excuse me. And I love this idea that it's very self-aware. It is a half story. You're not giving the full story. <laughs> I'm about <laughs> to tell you something. Well, it's not entirely true. Yeah. Oh, that it's not entirely true. So don't worry about it. <laughs> this isn't actually someone, people often say to me, are Irish people more honest or less honest because there is no yes or no? That if I asked you like, are you coming later? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Will you be there? I will. Can I count on you? You can. Like you don't, you don't say yes, because in Irish we answer with the verb. So people, you know, thankfully I don't get too many trolls online, but when I do, it's all about disagreeing with me that there's uh, no word for yes or no. Oh, because they tell you sha is the word for yes. They think sha is the word for no. Yeah. Yeah, I remember learning this years ago and I loved it. I mean, there's a lot more truth going back to what you said and trust I think and reliability in saying I will I won't I can't I can because you're being totally honest can you can you be there at 10 o'clock I can't you can be there at half 10 yeah there you go I'll be there now and now can mean (laughs) not now (laughs) but I might go in for one on the way exactly I'll see you the next time Listeners, sorry, we're probably confusing you there. What we mean by that is I'll be there now. The Irish are famous for now, meaning at some point, hopefully in the next few hours. And unless I go in for one means unless I go in for one pint, but it's only one pint, which generally means about 10. This is it. (laughs) But it's funny using, you know, these modal verbs. I can, I might. Because Irish is really full of those and full of the kind of... uh, negative remind me that expression the kind of not a question tag but a basically using the negative interrogative like saying you wouldn't oh, be oh you didn't do that did you you didn't yeah, do that yeah yeah, yeah or didn't I, only, didn't I only didn't <laughs> catch her on the way up you know so it's very interesting it kind of makes our speech full of tentativeness and hedging that things aren't as direct as they could be and I remember one Friday 13th, I was in university and I went on the university ski trip with my friend and we went paragliding and I was frightened. And I said to your man, are you going to, or no, can you hold on to me? And he goes, I can. And he wasn't Irish, but he was doing this kind of, but will you? No, I didn't say, will you? I was like, can you? I can. Are you able to? I am. And I was like, but are you going to or not? (laughs) (laughs) I need to, I need a yes or a no here. 
Oh, wow. But I think with this kind of, I might, I should, like we use a lot of those in Irish and we use a would a lot. I would have known her now from school. She would have been in the year ahead of me. This kind of use of would that doesn't mean the same as what it's supposed to mean, you know. No. But the fact is you did go to school with her or she was in the year ahead of you. But we don't like to maybe be caught on a truth. We don't want to say anything too straight, too clearly. It's strange, you know, even when we express our opinion, we might say, um, yeah, sure, I might I, I might be doing this later, even though you know you're doing that later. Yeah, yeah. Or I would have thought the, that yeah, I would you be do that opinion. differently. Yeah, yeah. And this actually links into a note that I made for something you mentioned last night, that you, you talked about the pronunciation being clever and consistent and then this over politeness. Mm. That tendency to be over polite, to overemphasize and, and this hedging as well that comes in. I'm always teaching hedging uh, in my in my content with my clients. Americans like a bit of hedging as well. The, the British do. It, it allows us to connect without, as you say, maybe getting in trouble. And you talked a little bit about you thinking maybe that comes from colonization, comes from that uh, the English coming into the country. What are your thoughts it seems, on it? You know, having researched it a bit, it does seem like colonized nations use this device That's more. And that when you look at Irish in contrast, it's a pre-colonized language. It's a pre-Christian language and it's much more straightforward. I think it's such a joy to speak and be direct. And a lot of people don't have that opportunity <laughs> living in Ireland. But yeah. Irish is just... I think a simpler structure that expresses what you want or what you mean, what your experience is, what your opinions are. And English in Ireland can be overly subservient or obsequious. Like there's a lot about social cohesion. And maybe that's a cultural thing too, just, you know, being on an island, being in smaller communities, everyone knows everyone. Also, we're just a very polite people, I think, Mm -hmm. in general. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting thing you say there that we learn to acquiesce and to try to make sure that we wouldn't get in trouble with the lords and and that our land wouldn't be taken or we wouldn't be put out of our homes. And it could very well go all the way back to that. And mm-hmm. that's what we adopted into English to keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. Even it's possible. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. On that. Oh, so much, <laughs> so much to talk about. Uh, let me check that I have. I have got up through all of those notes and, and things that I was very excited about speaking to you about today. But may I ask you, what do you think is the most important thing for a person to realise about the Irish language? Hmm. It's a great question. I think... It can bring us such a sense of soothing calm to be learning about our history and culture, to be understanding where we're from, to be more connected to our ancestors and to learn a new way of thinking. How valuable is that? To learn a way of thinking that's ancient. Mm. And a lot of people find it very emotional 
that they're really, their heart is dancing. I spoke to a guy this morning and he was saying, my heart is dancing. I, you know, I've had classes with people and they burst into tears and they're just so invigorated by the language. There's so many things I find very important about Irish. And I think every day there are revelations for me, you know, even shame and resentment and things that I harbor within myself about the language and about our history. That's a constant process of undoing it and challenging it and realizing a lot of this anglicization of our names, of our places has really affected us. Mm. And it's not about, you know, giving out about it, complaining about it. It's about finding beautiful, joyful, nourishing ways to celebrate it and to really relearn it. And maybe having it slip through the cracks is a blessing in a way that people will be like, God, really, is it, is it definitely endangered? The next step is severely, critically and dead. Yeah. So maybe it had to get to this stage for people to wake up and go, this is a, that happened. yeah, this is yeah. a psychological phenomena. Linguistically, Irish is as tied to the land as anything else we can produce more so. You know, Ireland is famous for so many exports, our tourism industry, tech, science, we're booming and expanding and growing in so many ways. Why can't the language enjoy a sense of priority, pride and pleasure in Ireland? And people have this mindset that, oh, but if I spend time on Irish, then I'll be neglecting all my other priorities or hobbies or things. And it doesn't have to be, you know, come do a course that lasts six hours a day. It could be simple. It could be just add, grow more to the end of a text. And then the next night you say Ihiwa to your family yeah. and find ways and means to incorporate it and to look up words you're interested in. And I think etymology is a really beautiful way to kind of weave in the storytelling of the language. It's so literal and hilarious at times. Yeah how Irish works. It's an incredible beauty in your passion and your voice when you talk about it. You make me think of, I think it's iRadio that stands out for me, but I know that other radio stations do it. They're translanguaging now. You have that mix of Gaelga coming in with English and moving through their the charts and talking about different things. Mm -hmm. I think maybe to reawaken the ear. Yeah. Because we think it's gone. I, I did Duolingo for quite some time there, re-bringing in my, bringing in my Irish again and now listening to you on your Instagram. It, it's not gone. It's no. part of our blood. It's part of our DNA. It runs through us. We learned it for 16 years, for the most part, for people who went right up to leave insert. It, it's always in there and dormant. And just like any volcano can be re-erupted if we exactly. give it the fire and the passion that it deserves. Yeah. yeah and it deserves to be embraced, you mm. know, and and really valued. Um, yeah, I think it's beautiful to see, you know, it's quite trendy now to use Irish. Like a lot of restaurants opening up have Irish names. Uh, yeah. Fia is the number one girl's name in Ireland now, I think, oh, for newborn well. babies, meaning wild or deer. Oh, my and little niece want... is called Kyla. Very oh. old Irish name, as far as I know. Gorgeous. Beauty, I think it means. So beautiful. So, yeah, there's a lot of really people trying to reconnect. I think, thankfully, you know, with globalization and with travel and with 
researching about other countries, people are realizing, wow, we've so much to be proud of. There's an ancient language here that's full of beauty and magic. Let's nurture it. Yeah, and it makes us unique. I should mention yeah. my nephew, Keen as well. I'm thinking my sister's <laughs> listening to this going, why don't you talk about Keen? <laughs> so we have two of them there. I have another one as well, but I don't think the, the connection to her name is Irish. I'll have to investigate. She's is me. You mentioned about making it simple and just bringing it in. Yeah. Little words here and there. It can be five minutes. It can be five hours. It can be done over a long period of time. It can be done in your own time. And that's what you offer in your online courses, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. And to talk exactly. a bit about that before we, we finish up. Yeah. So actually, one thing that Richard Simcott said was think about why you're learning a language. People have this vision. Oh, I'm going to learn Mandarin now or Hebrew or Irish. And they feel the only way I'll feel accomplished is if I basically learn that to fluency. I'll be advanced. I'll be able to teach it, for example. But maybe you want to keep Irish alive in your interactions by just saying, Gurv Mahagat, thank you to the bus driver. And maybe you want to write a little note to your mummy or whatever. You don't need to put these unrealistic pressures on yourself or expectations. You can think, I just want to greet my friends in Irish. And then maybe that'll lead to another step of being able to write your gratitude journal in Irish or whatever it is for you. So the course, yeah, I have a beginner course and an intermediate course, and these are fully self-paced so people can learn wherever, whenever suits them. And the beauty is there is no exam. You know, there are little quizzes and I make it fun and there are exercises so people can really track their progress and feel and know that they're learning. But it's not like you're going to be punished if you get it wrong or you have to complete it in 30 days. No, it's like you have your whole life. There's lifetime access. And it's been really rewarding and fun to be on this journey with people. It's a great model where I've freed up more of my time to give one-to-one support to people because I'm not teaching the same classes again and again like I was. They have all this material. They can go back, read the summaries, read the notes, watch the videos and and then read the comments. And it's a great community. Fantastic. I'll send you all the details. Yes, please absolutely do. And I'm going to ask you this. We can cut it out if we need to. I mentioned when we were getting ready to do this, if you would like to do some sort of offer or something like that with respect to the, the podcast, what we can do on the day that it goes out, we will be celebrating Equinox as well on that week. Ah, brilliant. I launched at Equinox yes. intentionally. I would love to give an offer for sure. Yeah. Yeah, super. So what do you know what it might be? Can we tell listeners now just while so, we're recording? OK, I'm going to give you the biggest discount I've ever given. OK, um, OK, so OK. Now, it doesn't have to be a discount necessarily. I don't want to put pressure on you to do that. But the goal here would be that anyone who listens to this podcast until the end subscribes to it and takes a screenshot and sends it either to me or to you has the possibility of going into a draw for whatever gift it is you may have. Love it. So, yeah, I would love for people to experience my courses. There's going to be a hundred euro off the beginner course. Um, so that's 297 down to 197 euro. Oh my Same goodness. thing with the intermediate course and then 300 euro off the bundle, which is both of them. So down from 597 to 297. Oh my goodness. And that's like over a hundred uh, videos, lessons, eight PDFs with this. Eight hundred. <laughs> exercises it's crazy it is and it's not just that I've put a I've put a lot of work into it so I hope you enjoy it it's very abundant of course 
Yeah, because it's not just that as far as I know, we, we slightly broke up there. So just to add into that, because I've, I've looked at this and I will definitely be on this course at some point in the future without a shadow of a doubt. And, and you, you've actually changed, made me think about, you know, some people think that they can't do it because they need to prioritize other things. So that's going to be in my head now. But it's not just the course and, and the online platform that they can log into. They You have a, a room running 24-7 where people can practice. There's yeah, we have a lot groups. of extras. So there's an open 24-7 hour open 24, what am I like, conversation Zoom room where people are logging in from all over the world. So it's really fun and really engaging. People can practice what they're learning or just be there to listen. You know, if they're shy, um, we have a Telegram group with members of the course. So one for the beginners, one for intermediates. So people can ask questions, share book recommendations in Irish and films and talk about their day, correct each other, ask me anything. Yeah, so you're really quite involved. active in those groups. I think I heard you say yeah. as well. So I offer Super. my daily support. And then there's over 800 exercises, like I said, over 100 quizzes and over a hundred downloadable PDF decks. So all the summaries oh, from the courses. Magic. Wow. You must've put so much work into that. I can, I know cause I have my own platform, but it, 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 the work that you must've put into this is phenomenal. So may yeah. I say, for all the work that you're doing, for bringing our beautiful brogue and our beautiful tongue back to us in such a passionate, magical way. I appreciate you greatly. I love your Instagram channel. I will not be going anywhere. And maybe we'll do this again in, in another love year's to. time and explore more. About Thanks a million, Christine. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, love an talking absolute to you. pleasure. Have a great evening. Slán. Well, listeners, that was Irish with Molly from Instagram and TikTok and the online courses Irish with Molly. If you'd like to follow her, go to the show notes. I can guarantee you that you will enjoy the content because it's absolutely beautiful. Never mind enjoy listening to her voice because I know that some of you are listening now thinking, oh, isn't she lovely to listen to? That's that that lovely accent that we have and that lilt that we have coming from the music that is the Irish language. Until next time. Oh, I'm going to have to ask you this now because this is how I close the podcast and I have to see if I'm doing it right or wrong. <laughs> I say until next time. Banakti August Buekas. Now I know we say Buekas of Gia, but I, I that's not what I mean. The Buekas is the gratitude that I want to, to express and Banakti meaning the blessings. Am I right? You you're, are you're giving me the top. Okay, good stuff. And is my pronunciation good? Or is it piano? Perfect. Perfect. Beautiful. Great stuff. Well, then let me close in the full confidence now that I'm doing it right. <laughs> Banakti August Buekas to you particularly. Now, if you've got to this point, press pause now. Go to the top of your page. Well, press pause after I've said this part. Go to the top of the page on your podcast app, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. Click the follow button and take a screenshot. Find me or Molly on Instagram. Our links are in the show notes at connected underscore communication or at Irish with Molly, M-O-L-L-I-E, and send a DM of the screenshot. We'll then send you a link to access Molly's online courses using that discount, Milchok, <laughs> enormous discount, she's offered, and you'll be entered into a draw to win three coaching sessions with me. 
there is nothing left to say. Neil in fuckle ella la raw. But until next time. Oh, I'm going to have to ask you this now because this is how I close the podcast and I have to see if I'm doing it right or wrong. Do I say until next time? Bianak T. August Buikas. Now, I know we say Buikas Legia, thanks be to God, but that's not what I mean with the Buikas. The Buikas is the gratitude that I want to express and Bianak T. meaning blessings. Am I right? Oh, you're giving me the thumbs up. Okay, good stuff. And is my pronunciation good or is it Bianakti? Okay, great stuff. Well then, let me close in the full confidence now that I'm doing it right. Until next time. Gajiankeid Urella. Banakti. Agus Buikas. To you particularly, Molly. Guramila. Thank you.